I can only imagine what it will be like when I walk by your side. It's a song heard and sung by at least tens of millions of people. A song about heaven, wondering what it will be like. Well, welcome to the Great Stories Podcast. I'm Charles Morris. So thankful you've taken the time to spend with me. The song I was talking about is I Can Only Imagine by Mercy Me. And in our time today, we're going back to an interview I did with the songwriter of this song, Bart Miller who wrote, I Can Only Imagine, after his dad passed away. Back in 2006, I visited Bart at his home in East Texas. We talked about that event, the song, and how the Lord was working in his life back then. So let's return to that two-part interview that I did with Bart Miller. This is Haven today, and we are in a living room in East Texas, (laughs) just off Interstate 30 in Greenville. With me here in this uh, house is uh, Bart Millard, who, uh, if you don't know that name, you probably know the name Mercy Me. Bart, welcome to Haven today. Thank you, Charles. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. You and I have a good mutual friend, and he's been telling me for a year (laughs) that I needed to drive over with him to Greenville, (laughs) Texas, when you weren't on the road somewhere, and have you on this program. And that song that we just opened with a minute ago is probably what people know you by, even if they don't know Bart Millard. Well, that's, it's not a bad thing. I'd rather them know the song than know me, so it's it's okay. <laughs> I don't know. I've heard other people in Greenville say you're not such a bad character after Small all. Small town, they don't get out much. <laughs> How did you write this song, which is probably, it's already a, a platinum, uh, but... How did you write a song that started slow but just has kept on growing and now people want to sing it on country and western stations and all different kinds of radio stations? I guess it originally came from, I was 19 years old and my father passed away uh, with cancer and that was 91. I used to always write the phrase down, I can only imagine on anything I get my hands on, which would Mm -hmm. set me off just thinking about where he was and being in a better place. And it wasn't until 99 that a we were working on an independent record, and we needed one more song, and so I went back to a journal trying to find a clean page to start writing on, and everything I have came across had the phrase written across the middle of it, I can only imagine, and so I kind of got the hint that I was I need to finish that song, and so... You're one of those that's always looking for the hand of the Lord. I guess so. The yeah. Lord in something, right? Yeah. Okay. So we finished it and put it on as a B-side, never really played it live for quite some time, and then... Somebody asked us to do it during a show, and we did, and had no idea. We knew it was special, but had no idea the impact it was going to have. And, and it's been, still having impact today. Yeah, it's today. been a, a roller coaster ever since. What do you think the message is that the Lord was giving you out of that song to share with other people? You know, that's a good question. I mean, I know for me, uh, when the song came about, you know, I, my dad and I were best friends, so for years just really struggled with getting past that whole thing. And so even... Coming almost nine years later, the song ministered to me in a huge way, and and maybe that's why I didn't sing it for a while because I just it was it was therapeutic for me just to hear it and just to go through it personally. And for me, it took my mind off the grieving process and just made me think of him being in a better place. And and I kind of busied myself with thinking, God, when I'm in your presence, how in the world am I going to respond? Mm-hmm. And if you think about that long enough, it definitely kind of takes the hurt away a little bit because it is a better place that we're hoping for. And and waiting for and it was special to me to go through that but you know I, I just all of a sudden the email started pouring in of people going through the same thing and how the song ministered to them 
And it's not really a funeral song like singing about a guy, a person you miss or whatever. It's just right. talking about what is heaven going to be like. Although yeah. it's really, uh, it's been used. In fact, uh, our mutual friend, Kent Stainback, yeah. you sang it at his father's funeral right. just a couple of years ago. And other people use it at funerals today too, don't they? Right. Oh yeah, it's it's definitely, it's used a ton. And I think it is an encouraging thing to be able to sing it at a funeral like our friend's father's funeral. I mean, there are some songs that just that make you fall to pieces when you hear them at a funeral. And it's, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, maybe a song about missing them or wishing they were here or whatever. And this song is so the opposite of that. And it's... It's and it's it's almost kind of puts you in the in the mood of you know we're the ones missing out now we're the ones that are getting the raw end of the deal because we have to wait mm-hmm. and what we can only imagine and wonder about Kent's father or my dad or other people that have passed on are already seeing it and mm-hmm. so it's it the song is kind of out of anticipation of what's going to happen and man it just makes for a much better funeral for me to be able to think mm-hmm. about that than missing whoever's passed on and so maybe that's what it is I, I really don't know I don't know what the the secret is, but um, but it's for for whatever reason it's ministered to a lot of people. People come and they hear your group that you're with, Mercy Me, and uh, it's interesting because they come away uh, having had a spiritual experience with the Lord. Mm. I think a lot of that may come out of the fact that just you're a normal everyday person. You live in Greenville, Texas, when you're not traveling, <laughs> right. and and you really see your role as more than just writing music. For instance, the Lord lets you be with your brother-in-law just before his life was taken. Right. Tell me about that. Definitely, we go through everyday and normal things. We go through tragedy like everyone else. We go through difficult times, great times. We're no different than anyone else. And mm-hmm. one of the harder times we've ever gone through was my brother-in-law, who was 21. His name was Chris, and he. Uh, uh, he's been a believer most of his life and just kind of hit a rock bottom time in his life, had a bad relationship and just just going through a really difficult time. And the night that he kind of got his heart broken, he showed up at our house in the middle of the night and just said that he just hit rock bottom and needed help and wanted to get his life right and just, you know, wanted to, to live for the Lord and all this stuff. And we talked from about one to four in the morning about how we can kind of make this happen and this, the steps that need to take place and get him in, you know, involved with the right people and, and find a college minister that can work with him and stuff like that. And so we agreed that following morning, let's get some sleep and we'll go talk to this guy. And, okay. And then uh, he left our house about four, lives less than five minutes away. and um, Everything is five minutes yeah, exactly. away in Greenville, exactly. Texas. Right. Yes. So he could live across the town. It's still a walk. But, uh, <laughs> uh, he, uh, but he, and so he was going to head home and he said he was tired, but we tried to get him to stay the night, and he goes, no, I'll make it. And so I decided to follow him home. But by the time I got dressed to follow him, being in the middle of the night, he had already gone ahead of me. So I just thought I'd go check on him. He wasn't there, but it's typical for a small town to end up at a friend's house or you know, hit the all-night burger joint or whatever mm-hmm. first. And he's, I mean, everybody does it, so I didn't think anything of it. And then it was about 8 in the morning that my father-in-law called and said that he had fallen asleep at the wheel and thrown from the car and passed away. And it was probably the most difficult thing I'd ever gone through mm-hmm. and, um, at that time. You know, you hear stories about that kind of stuff, about trying to minister to him, and then something happens. And, you know, those are the stories that preachers say from the sure. pulpit to try yeah. to scare you to Jesus. Just and, before the invitation. Yeah, exactly, yes. yeah. You may get hit by a train tonight. You never know. And, and But it really is true. The way. last thing you got to talk with yeah. Chris about is right. your Savior. Yeah. And he talked about his Savior, yeah. too. Praise God for that. Yeah. At his funeral, we wrote a song called Homesick that was for his funeral. And... um had a chance to share the gospel with about 1,500 people that came and had several of his friends come to know Christ during that. And so the whole thing was very surreal and, and something that, as much as God was glorified, I pray that I don't have to go through again, but it was a, a pretty crazy time. We're in a better place I've heard a thousand times 
And at least a thousand times I've rejoiced for you But the reason why I'm broken The reason why I cry Is how long must I wait to be the song is uh, Homesick, and uh, it's by Mark Millard, who is our special guest. This is a special haven today because we're not in a real studio. We're in a home in Greenville, Texas, and uh, I don't know if you've heard any dogs barking in the background. Uh, it's quail season as we're, uh, as we're doing this interview. Bart, you travel a lot. You travel all the time, but uh, you talk about your grandmother, right? and uh, tell us about your grandmother. Well, my grandmother, her name was Ruby Lindsay. And, um, That's a good Texas uh, name, yes, isn't it? Yes, it is. And <laughs> she was the godliest woman I've ever known in my whole life. And uh, my grandfather, my grandmother, started a small country church in Greenville long before I was born. And she's just an amazing woman who's gone through difficult times in her life. And I've never heard her say a, a bad thing about anybody and just love the Lord the whole time. Mm-hmm. To kind of sum up who she was, which would hopefully make you appreciate the record even more, would be when I was born in 72, my grandfather left her for the church secretary. And so I never really knew him that well. And she continued, remained in the church her entire life and kind of helped keep it going. Boy, and, what uh, a hard thing uh, yeah, for someone to do. Yeah, for a Southern Baptist church in East Texas and being a woman, it's hard too, unfortunately. But Yes, yes. But she stuck around and, and tried to keep the church together. And uh, she always, her whole life, she never remarried, and she would always say that her prodigal would come home soon. She would try to remain faithful to him, even though he didn't with her. And I remember when Papa passed away in the uh, mid-'90s, and I remember having to go to her house with my cousin and tell her. And by this point, she's confined to a wheelchair, and she, her eyesight's pretty bad. And I remember walking through the door. Her back was to us in the wheelchair. And as soon as we walked in, she, for whatever reason, knew. She said, Lloyd passed away, didn't he? We were like, yes, ma'am, he did. And we started crying because we knew that's all she'd ever hoped for was him to come back. And, mm-hmm. and she grabbed hold of our hands, and she told us, you know, after everything she's gone through in life and what she had done to her, her only response, and never talked about it again, was, she said, now you, you you two listen, there's only two men that I've really, really loved in my life, and that's your papa and Jesus. And she was not much better the first leaving me than the second. Well. Wow. That's all she ever said about it. And so she passed away in 99, Christmas Day, before, for years, because I'd been singing in churches here, around here my whole, since I was five years old, and so my mom's always heard me sing, and she always told me that no matter what I do with the band, and she was one of these people, she couldn't understand the words to some emergency stuff because a little heavier than she it's liked. a little heavier music but right, she some was, of your yeah, tracks. But yes. she, knew that, she knew that we were singing about Jesus. She didn't care. She was still a fan. Uh-huh. And, but she always told me, she, goes, she always told me I always sang the hymns better than anything. And she goes, just whenever you get a chance, I want you just to make a record for me. And I always told her I would. And never got the chance and had never forgotten it since she passed away. And so I've always told my wife, I still have to do this. And, and you did. Yeah, last year we didn't have a big release coming out except for a Christmas record at the end of last year. And so that was my chance to do the record finally, the hymns record. Your grandmother finally got her wish. Yes. Even though she, she's yes, in heaven. She did, yeah. And that was the big thing about the basic rule of, of it was we had about 50 or 60 hymns to choose from because, gosh, it was that's the hardest part is which sure. ones do you put on a record. And, we went through arrangements and what sounded cool and stuff, and just I was like, you know what? I just went through and started circling the songs that I had the most vivid memory mm-hmm. that somehow was related to my grandmother, you know, whether it was her singing in church or us singing it together growing up, and that's what des- determined those songs on the album. And also, musically, we were trying to do it in a way that it would make her proud, because in East Texas, you know, whatever song comes out, you just wait long enough, and the honky-tonk version will follow, you know? <laughs> 
in a you know country western southern gospel is huge here and yes. so especially in a church like that to where there's one piano player for about 20 people in the congregation it's <laughs> it's everything's a honky tonk and swings and so i want to do a record that she'd be proud of as far mm-hmm. as musically and there was one song that while making the record the label's asking are you going to write anything and and i really had no intentions of doing mm-hmm. it but uh somewhere in the course of the record i was telling our producer about one of the memories in the sweet by and by, I was saying, you know, I have this memory of, of I wasn't allowed to stand in the pews because I'd get them dirty. <laughs> and so she would sit with me. My parents divorced when I was three, and so I'd go to church with my grandmother, just the two of us a lot. And mm-hmm. I would sit on the third row, and when the choir was time to sing, she would sit with me and then get up and go sing in the choir and then come back down and sit with me again. And so I'd always get in trouble trying to stand up and see her sing, which you didn't need to see her because she had the loudest, most horrific voice you ever heard. <laughs> she couldn't carry a tune in a bucket, but she said, if, you, if the Bible says make a joyful noise, it's fine. And she sure tried. Oh, man, it was loud. <laughs> and so, um, and so I, I, all I could do was get on my knees and try to see everybody standing up and and I, I was telling Brown, I was like, when I hear this song, it's all I think about. It seems like every other week we would sing in the sweet by and by. It's all we'd ever sing in that church. So it had to go on the hymns album. Oh, yeah, there was no did. doubt. And Brown was one that says, you know, that that's the song. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, it's, and so I started writing the verses of trying to describe that, kind of paint a picture of that moment. And the chorus is still in the sweet by and by. And then talking about, the second verse talks about just how she's passed away since. But just hopefully she's proud of who I've become because of who she, the influence she was in my life. And so I, it, it turned out to be, I, I just love the whole song and, and really proud of the way it turned out. that song in so long. What a tribute to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I want to thank Bart for taking time from his day with two sick children and and spending time with us here from Greenville, Texas on Haven Today. I Can Only Imagine is the name of the program. We led with that hit song, and we'll have Bart again with us on the program tomorrow, so I'm sure you'll want to join us as well. Word of God speak, would you pour down like rain? listening to Haven today, and that is by Mercy Me. It's called Word of God Speak, a powerful song, and we have a special program for you today. We're actually coming to you from a room in a home in Greenville, Texas, and very close to me at the microphone is Bart Millard, who's the founder of Mercy Me. He is singing all over the place today, and Bart, just welcome back to Haven today. Yeah, thanks, Charles. Thanks for having me again. <laughs> well, thank you for willing to just share from your life and tell us uh, just oh, some sure. of how God has moved. And uh, you're an East Texas native, right? And uh, so with that goes allergies, wind, uh, yeah. tornadoes, everything else. You've been there, and the gift of gab. So this is easy for me. Uh, well, well, that's 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 all right. We like people <laughs> yeah, that okay. can tell their life story too. What a remarkable song. Word of God speak. I woke up this morning listening to KCBI in Dallas uh, before I drove on over here, and uh, that's the first song I heard when the radio alarm went off. I guess that says a lot about the music that Mercy Me does. Some of your music is uh, maybe for people in their teens or 20s or 30s, but you try to really turn it to the Word, don't you? What you sing about. And that's the easy part is to go to the Word for inspiration when you're writing a song. Word of God Speak, it was kind of a cool story. We were in the middle of making the record spoken for. I can only imagine it taken off and it had been a huge success Mm -hmm. and we were just stressing. Still is, but yes, right. We were stressing about how to follow it up. Okay. 
And we were still in that phase. We were doing a lot of church camps and traveling all over the country. And we're getting an inside peek here at the music business yes. for small band makes good. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> we were making that because, you know, before we sign, I mean, we'd do church camps during the summer, and that would be kind of a, that's like a storing up. Nobody that has sold platinum or gold <laughs> records does church camps right. in well, the that's, summer. That's what people kept telling us. But we were still right. doing them because we couldn't say no. And, all right. And we'd, we'd love doing them. And so I was doing a church camp in Jekyll Island, Georgia. And I was in a hotel that night, and we were trying to, on our off time, when we weren't playing for the the church camp, we were trying to finish writing for the record. Mm-hmm. We were actually recording in broom closets at the camp and everything, <laughs> like, as we went. And I was really frustrated because you get to a point as a writer to where everything either starts sounding the same or you just run out of stuff to say or sing mm-hmm. about. Mm-hmm. And it happens to me on every record. And at this point, I was just getting really frustrated because I felt kind of like everything had been exhausted as far as what I had. And I went to bed that night. And I guess I was stressing about it a little too much because in the middle of the night, I woke up about three or four in the morning and I pulled out a, a journal. I always have a journal by my bed and I started writing and I wrote the whole first verse of Word of God Speak hmm. and then went back to sleep and completely forgot that I ever did it. And it wasn't until about five or six weeks later, we were looking at songs and we were still short. It was the 11th hour of finishing the record. You needed that last Yeah, there's song. always that last song you need. Yep. And it was that kind of ballad stuff we were missing. And I was like, man, I'm, we're just missing that song. And I don't know what it is. And I kept thinking there was something in my journal. And I have about 50,000 of them laying around. So I started digging for the right one. I went to this page and sure enough, word for word, the first Here verse was there. I mean, it was, and we didn't change any of it. And I could barely remember writing it. And I was like, this is so weird that I wrote it and it rhymed and everything. And I was asleep when I did it. And so I said, man, this is it. And so we, we kept writing and, and um, about half the course was also written. The whole part about word of God speak, would you pour down like rain? And, and I guess just that night, just I went to bed and just was really frustrated with the fact that I was trying to do it all myself rather than depend on the word of God to, to kind of steer me one way or the other. And so... I mean, I wish I could say that was the first song I wrote on the record and it kind of prefaced mm-hmm. the whole thing, but it was the last one just saying, you know, I, I, it, I love the first line says, I'm finding myself at a loss for words. And the funny thing is, is it's okay because, uh, you know, we try to fix things ourselves all the time. And it's usually that point we realize that we can't do it on our own is mm-hmm. when we realize that's mm-hmm. exactly where God's wanted us the whole time. And, and that song was kind of became an anthem for us regardless, especially because at that time we didn't know, imagine it was just about to take off on the whole mainstream thing. Mm-hmm. And we had no idea it was about to take us. And the song be kind of came an umbrella for us during that whole thing of just kind of reminding us where we come from and why we do this, because it had been really easy to become not so focused, if you will. And, mm-hmm. um, and so we've clung to that song ever since. You know, regardless of what happens, there's a, a passage of scripture that I've always kind of prayed and, and read over, over and over before every show. And it's, I think it's 2 Corinthians 2, too. Maybe first I get them mixed up, but it says, I'm determined to know nothing while I'm with you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And, mm-hmm. and well, that's uh, a life and, verse for anybody. Yeah, it's, well, it's, it's kind of, it really it's, is. It's not, not so much superstitious, but I've treated it that way. That, like, I don't think I've ever done a show without just going through that over my head over and over and over before I ever take the stage. Just to remind me that this is this is why we do this. This is why in 1994 when we first started and said if we could just get a church camp to bring us in, we'll be the happiest people on the planet. Mm-hmm. Because, mm-hmm. and you just, started out wanting to be a youth pastor. Yeah, totally. in fact, you were a youth pastor. I was. So yeah. you started out. Bart, uh, it's just amazing to hear you talk. Yesterday in the program, you talked about uh, your parents' divorce mm-hmm. when you were quite young. Your grandfather had founded a church and left your grandmother. Mm. You talked about your grandmother, her hopes, her dreams for you. She helped to raise you. You did a hymns album. We got to hear in the sweet by and by yesterday. Is there something else on that album? Because your roots are based in hymns, aren't they? That's your spiritual upbringing. Yeah, it is. 
tell us tell us about that and any particular hymn that really just kind of struck you for going on this almost can I say country sounding yeah. <laughs> hymns album from East Texas well I mean um, you know I mean I grew up I was in church every time the doors were open growing up um, and my family wouldn't have it any other way and um I think growing up, I probably didn't appreciate the hymns as much as I do now because as a kid, you're like, this could be the most boring music on the planet. And then now looking back, it's like it's literally the foundation of who I've become and mm-hmm. my faith. And probably the, the biggest one for me is Old Rugged Cross. I mean, and I think the first time it ever hit me, because I, I know the lyrics by heart, I know what they mean and stuff, but um, when we were making the hymns record, and we had a couple of shows in the middle of that that I had to go do. You know, and I'd been just finished the testimony about my brother-in-law passing away, and and just how '04 was just a horrific year for us. And my my son got diabetes. My father-in-law went through a horrible brain cancer moment that he came out of. Thank goodness. But we were in the middle of the record when all this stuff happened, and so. But Old Rugged Cross, we were in the middle of recording it, and so I started singing it that night for the show, and it was an emotional night for whatever reason. We went out of homesick, and I started singing, so I'll cherish the Old Rugged Cross till at last my trophies I lay down and. Uh, cling to the old rugged cross and exchange them someday for a crown. And man, I mean, I just, I completely lost control emotionally. I just mm-hmm. fell apart. And I think that mm-hmm. was the first time that the song just hit me. I, I don't know. And and we actually went back to the studio and we had this kind of version that we were recording and we kind of scrapped the whole thing. And mm-hmm. and I just said, okay, all I want to do is to go in one room and have, and me, a stand-up bass, acoustic guitar, and a guy named Paul Franklin playing dobro. And I want to do it live, just one time, all of us playing together in the just same Just try room. the one take yeah, through. Yeah, because which, I mean, if, for those that know anything about recording, it doesn't happen that it way. It takes it's a all, long yeah, time to record it's all one about, song. Yeah, it's all about isolation and get the drums first. And, and it's just, and to do it in one room, is it could be a nightmare. And so we started playing it. And there was something so beautiful about how stripped down it was and how it turned out. I mean, the hardest part was, I think we did it three times because the first two couldn't stop crying. And we finally got a take without, you know, just getting through the words mm-hmm. and, I mean, I had church more in that moment than I've probably had in years, and mm-hmm. and I just it was one of the every once in a while you luck out and and your vision for the song matches up with the lyrics and everything kind of is wedded together in such a great way that it just it's a perfect fit and that was one of those moments with Old Rugged Cross was that everything just fits so perfectly that it was totally a God thing so yeah it's a pretty special song to me. On a hill far away. Stood an old rugged cross The emblem of suffering and shame And I love that old cross Where the dearest and best For a world of lost sinners was slain Boy, that took me back to my childhood, the old rugged cross, and uh, not everybody sings that today, Art, but everybody knows it, don't yeah, they? Unfortunately, they don't sing it today. Well, they need to be singing yeah. it. I gotta ask you, we've talked about your family, we've talked about what, what the Lord has taken you through. What does Jesus mean to you? Oh, um, oh man, he, I mean, he's everything. You know, I came to know Christ when I was 13 at a church camp in New Mexico, and um um, you know, it wasn't a an earthquake moment or, you know, there was blinding light or anything like that. It was pretty low-key. I just came mm-hmm. forward with some friends. And I've always said, you know, it's at that age, I always 
and I don't know if I have it all together, but I've always said that it seems like the first few years, you know, if you're drowning and you ask for help, you know, whoever pulls you out, there's really not much you're doing to help that that situation. Mm-hmm. You're just hoping to be pulled free. And I kind of feel like that was me for several years, well, even to this day, but especially the first few years. In other words, I just didn't really know what I was doing, but I knew that I was I was saved by grace. And Somebody was holding uh, you. Exactly. Somebody was, was pulling me out. Yeah. You know, and, yep. and I wasn't doing much, which to this day, I'm still not doing much. But there is a point in your life where I think you realize and become very grateful for what Christ has done done for you. To where you say, you know what, it's not about what I do, but at the same time, I'm going to do everything I can, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, you know, the whole faith without works is dead. I don't think it's about what you do. Mm-hmm. I don't think your works get you saved, but you but have, we still yeah, do it. But you have no pulse if you're saved and don't work. That's right, because of and, what he has done right, and exactly. is doing in our yeah, lives. Today. I think that I mean, it's it just be out of being a grateful person for what he's done for me. It's a no-brainer to try to live my life as as much as I possibly can to advance His kingdom and His agenda. And um, people always ask. I mean, the one the big blessing about when I can only imagine went to mainstream radio, and we start doing these interviews with these shock jocks and these guys that are you know we're on hold listening to the show and it's right. so vulgar. And then what they bring us on and it's usually a station manager who put it together and the DJ doesn't want to do it. But they are always really kind to us when we get on. But they always ask, you know, why? I mean, why are you here? Why this? Why this song? You know, I mean, I mean, I, I'm just kind of confused. You're my first Christian I've ever interviewed, and and I and I was like, look, you know, I don't want to make a big deal and shove anything down your throat. But I mean, the only thing I could ever say is that I, I didn't become a Christian because somebody scared me into doing it or told a better story than some other religion did or or uh, got me at an early age when I was really vulnerable. I said. Uh, the reason I am who I am is because Jesus Christ is the only thing that has literally ever changed me. And I said, I know who I was before, and I know who I am now. Mm-hmm. And there's a huge difference. And I said, and that's that's I mean that's all I could ever say about it. It's not there, there's nothing else to it. I mean, I I know that I've been changed. The one mm-hmm. thing that no one can argue with me about is the fact that I have been changed. And I said, and the beautiful thing about it is, it is not my responsibility to change anybody's life. I said, I don't have the ability. The Holy Spirit does, but I don't. So the best I can do is live a life to where people hopefully see Christ through me. I'm not talking about the T-shirts or the braces. I'm saying live a life of kindness and treat people, whether you believe in Christ or not, with the same kind of kindness. Instead of trying to defend who I am and say that I'm right and you're wrong, live a life where people say, I just want a piece of that. Whatever is good about it's you, I want to know. It's different and I want it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like with a guy like Billy Graham, it's not his sermon that he's been preaching the same sermon for however many years. Mm-hmm. It's the fact that he's consistently been a man of God and lived a life of integrity, and that's and that's what we want to do. And, and and my relationship with Christ, it's like you know knowing who I was and who I, and, and the things I struggle with. Man, it's only Christ that could allow me or or make me be this person and and want to be a person that lives a life of integrity. I'm so wrapped up in it. I'm so grateful for everything He's done for me and how He's blessed us that. It, it's not a choice. It's never been a choice for us. This is who I am. This is who God... What God's called you to be. Yeah, and He before, long before I was ever born, He knew who I was going to become. Before the foundations. Yeah. Right. And um, I mean, I could talk for hours about my faith because it's the very foundation of everything that I am. It's all that I am. It's my family, my wife, my kids, my career, my private life. Everything has to be with Him. I'm not perfect by any means. Man, I, I stumble and mess up more than anybody, I'm sure. But the fact is, is that I'm still covered. I'm still saved by grace. I'm still, nothing will pull me from the hand of God. And it just makes life so much easier knowing that, you know, I'm spoken for by the King of Kings. And um, it's, uh, I'm telling you, once you get a glimpse of him and get near him, 
uh, you have no choice but to be changed. I really believe mm-hmm. that. Bart Millard uh, here on Haven today with us coming to you from Greenville, Texas. Bart, there are hurting people. There are questioning people uh, and searching people that are listening to you right now. Would you mind praying to your Savior, Jesus, in their behalf right now? Father, I would just come before you just to to say thank you once again for being allowed to just be in your presence. And um, I think the, the, the thing that allows me to take a deep breath and lay my head on my pillow every night and smile is the fact that your truth is absolute and that you are absolute, and that regardless how big our questions may be, your truth is still truth. And sometimes uh, the church and the, 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 the traditions that we grew up with will try to convince us not to ask too many questions, not to go too deep, as if there's something we're gonna find, a loophole that we might find that, that ruins it for everybody. But I praise God for the fact that your truth withstands anything. And God, I pray for any of those people out there that, that have those questions that just feel like cannot be answered and want to know more about you and wonder things about you on a regular basis. God, I just pray that they have the courage to keep asking and to keep seeking and to keep going deeper. Because the one thing we can rely on is that you will surface as truth regardless where they look and where they search. And God, I just praise you for the fact that they're still searching and that they haven't given up and they haven't said it's not worth it the worst thing that we can do is quit. And God, I just pray that they have the, the strength and the, and the faith to continue, continue seeking you because your truth guarantees us that we'll find you. And we just praise you for the fact once again that we can even have communication with you. And just praise you for everything that you've done for us. And I pray for those people seeking you that they'll find you and be forever changed and their life will feel complete once and for all. And we ask these things in your name, amen. That was Bart Millard from Mercy Me and an interview we did with him back in February of 2006. The movie about his relationship with his father called I Can Only Imagine came out a couple of years back, but I'm so glad he opened up to us and shared how the Lord restored his relationship with his father. To hear more conversations like this, why don't you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts You can also go to haventoday.org and sign up for our weekly email and discover additional episodes posted on our blog. And as always, thank you for joining me once again on Great Stories with Charles Morris.